Oh, hello. Oh, wow. I'm not real good at hooking microphones and things up here. So let me get situated just a little bit. I'm going to bring this over here. That way you'll be able to see past my fat head. There we are. So we read um, the scripture reading in Galatians, and um, I just want to look at that real quick. I'll be going through the slideshow, and, and um, I'll be actually sharing out of uh, Ezekiel chapter 36, so if you want to make a marker in your Bibles... Um, in Galatians chapter 6, we read, um, starting verse 19, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. That means whatever's not mentioned there, that too. Um, just to let you know, I deal with that stuff, and I see that stuff in the raw form every single day that I'm uh, in Eureka at the rescue mission. I am the executive director. It's been almost... Huh? My wife wants me to stand up. They, can you see me? Everybody can see me? Would you prefer I stand up? No? Okay, I just want to be sure. Um, you can hear me. That's, yeah, I want you to be able to see that, so I'll get in the way. Um, where was I? What was I saying? Uh, yeah, it's uh, been almost a year. Matter of fact, we had our dinner auction last night, and oh, this word annual just kills me because it's so much work. It takes about six months to prepare for it. But we did uh, did our auction last night, so that's kind of a marker for me because last year at this time I was the assistant executive director, and very shortly after that I became the executive director. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, just to give you a kind of a um, a slideshow of what the mission is. Just real quick, what, um, what's going on here? Oh, okay. What comes to your mind when you think of the Eureka Rescue Mission, or what comes to your mind when you drive by? You can give me a couple of things. Huh? The store. The store. Feeding people. Needy. Anything else? Volunteers. Exposure to the word. What about homeless, winos, moms, and transients? Okay, we're, we're a, a body of believers here. Uh, we do see uh, the ministry aspect of it, but the general public doesn't see it that way. What they see the Eureka Rescue Mission as, as a flop house, a handout, you're taking care of people that won't work, on and on and on and on. And for some part, that is true. We, we're to be fishers of men. The Lord has commanded us to go out and be fishers of men, right? Well, the cool thing about the rescue mission is that we are a fishbowl, okay? And every morning, the fish swim out of the bowl, and they go out at 5.30 or so in the morning. And at 5.30 at night, all the fish come back into the bowl. And we, being trained in the Word of God, have various pastors and teachers and volunteers from the community and they get out their fishing poles and they try and fish in that fish bowl. 
Some fish are hungry. Some fish are just like the salmon when they're spawning. They don't want to bite nothing. So anyway, this is our um, administrative office. I just did a real quick thing. I'll give you some inside look. This is the, uh, I don't know why I've got that up there. If, if I hit that X, you watch, it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow out. Maybe I don't know how to run this without my thing. So anyway, huh? let's do it again. All right. Okay, this is the Eureka Rescue Mission Auxiliary, Irma. They meet once a month, and they <clears throat> primarily only support for the mission. They, we come up with various projects, flooring, um, food. This coming up um, Thanksgiving, they'll be buying turkeys and various things like that. So they get together, have a luncheon. Um, I share some of the information that we have at the mission, men's shelter, women's shelter, and, uh, and they generate um, money for projects and things and supporting the mission. This is the front of the men's shelter. <coughs> and this is the entrance. Some of you may have never been inside. Some of you may have. This is where all of the guests come in at night. So they go straight down that hallway right there. And then they go into our chapel area where they're breathalyzed. Uh, we have a zero tolerance for alcohol. Alcohol is one of the chemicals that is very unpredictable. As some of you might know, that you can never tell how somebody's going to react. They can be real quiet, come in, and all of a sudden flip the script on you, and you end up with a really bad situation. So that's why we do breathalyze. Upstairs is the clothing room and a dormitory. This is Gary, Gary Stoddard. Gary was a really, really super uh, close friend of mine, loved him very much. And um, he had gotten hit years ago. I believe it was uh, in, in a car accident and was really, really disabled. He could hardly talk very well, but he, for, uh, for, he was a trooper. Gary could just, he was just a trooper. He just walked really slow and had a difficult time walking. Um, Gary was crossing 4th Street, um, was trying to get across in the, in the crosswalk, and a car hit him and threw him, I think, 40 feet, and he actually hit, hit a sign. and. Um, Killed Gary. So we develop relationships with people, love people, and sometimes, um, unfortunately, we have to see the bad things that happen. So this is Willie. Willie, my favorite guest. I'm not supposed to have favorites, but Willie was my favorite guest. He uh, had meningitis when he was younger, and um, it really damaged him, and he had some other issues going on that really caused Willie problems. And uh, I always, every single time I'd have to check Willie before coming in because he would always have marijuana or something on him um, coming into the mission. Willie could not make it on the streets alone without the Eureka Rescue Mission. Um, there was a, a lady that was driving drunk on 5th Street, I believe it was, and hit Willie. Broke his pelvis in two places, broke his femur, uh, broke some other bones. Willie ended up in the hospital emergency room. And when I heard about it, I was like, oh my goodness. So I, I think I was at home that night, and I zipped back into Eureka at St. Joseph Hospital. Um, they wouldn't let me into the trauma room, and they said that he didn't want any visitors. And I said, tell him it's Brian Hall from the rescue mission. And so the nurse kind of, and she went back in, and, and she didn't even make it to the door. She was just, he said, come in, come in. <laughs> so um, I went in, and Willie was all with a neck brace, and he was all tied up on the table, and he was, uh, he was doing okay and, and pretty well, but he was so broken that they, had, they were going to fly him out down south somewhere because they were not able to facilitate him there. 
Um, and I remember looking into those beautiful blue eyes of Willie, and he looked at me and he said, um, help me, Brian. And um, I just fell in love with him so much. <laughs> he was my buddy. And he went into cardiac arrest, I think. They brought him back, and he was bleeding internally. And so they just pumped bags and bags and bags of blood into him. They stabilized him, stabilized him enough to where I was comfortable, okay, um, he had lost consciousness, but he was out, and he was stable. They are going to get him down and get him into surgery. So I left and was praying for Willie and come to find out the next day that he, they were transporting him to the airport to get him to fly out, and they had to immediately take him to Mad River where he passed away. So, you know, Willie uh, grew up Jehovah's Witness, and I shared and shared and shared for years. I shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. And it's such a difficult time because that cult... And that doctrine just infiltrated him, and he just really couldn't quite grasp the lordship of Jesus Christ. So I don't know today whether he's in heaven or hell. I don't know. But um, I don't think um, it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. The people who are alive in my life today, the people who are alive in your life today, that don't know Christ, we do everything that we can to lead them to Jesus. This is Randy. Randy's actually still alive, so he's not... (laughs) Randy um, suffers from various things. Randy comes and goes. Um, You see on his coat, it says, Jesus loves you. (laughs) He's a difficult one sometimes. Randy's a great guy, though. And this is Bob. Bob's my buddy. Bob will never make it right now outside of the mission. Bob cannot survive unless the mission is there for him. Bob is an engineer, I believe. He used to be an engineer. Very responsible and... For whatever reason, hardship fell on Bob. This is the evening time bringing people in, guests into the mission. And the man on the right you see with the glasses here, his name is Ken. Ken actually graduated the New Life Discipleship Program at the Eureka Rescue Mission. Haven't seen him for a while, so I'm not sure how he's doing. This is our chapel on the men's shelter. Well, the tables you see, Irma, actually... um, put forth the money, and and we bought those tables, which is really neat. So we are currently actually raising money for um, a new building. So what you see right here, ultimately, the renovation of the inside of our building, this will be all dormitory. We're not going to increase our capacity for the men's shelter. What we're going to do, because right here, this is is the multi-purpose room. This is food, preaching, and then at night, all the tables get pulled away, and we lay green like jailhouse mattresses. They're plastic vinyl mattresses. We lay those down on the floor. So what the new building um, and the renovation of this one is going to do, we're hoping to bring bunk beds in there so they'll actually get up off the floor and be able to sleep into a bed. This is uh, Dennis. He's got a breathalyzer in his hand, and we're breathalyzing people. Dennis is really staunch, every single person. I said, Dennis, all you got to do is smell them. If they smell like alcohol, then you can test them. There he is. And this is a chapel service. The people that come into the mission, 365 days a year, not all of them. We do have a 60-day policy, and we hold tight to that for certain guests. Um, If they're not showing that they're out looking for work, um, we don't just let them come and stay forever. It's just not the way we operate. So Dennis is actually sharing the gospel. Um, The people that come into the mission get a half hour of church every single night, which is a whole lot more than I do. 
stop and think about it. That's uh, Mike, and this is our clothing room at night. This is These crates have the bedding and things that we put downstairs. They carry a crate downstairs. They take a shower, required every night to take a shower. The facility is actually really clean. It's just really, really old. I think it's 101 years old. Some of the things we deal with, um, EMTs coming and taking care of somebody who got really, really sick. This is class. This is what we have as our residential uh, year-long New Life Christian Men's Discipleship Program. We're hoping for a women's program in the future. Um, right now, it's just not going to happen. But the men on Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays from 8.30 in the morning until 11.30 in the afternoon with a five or ten minute break on, on, on the half hour every hour, um, the men get to go take a break and they come back in. All we do is just what you do here is we study the Word of God. I'm, I'm actually right now on Fridays teaching in Nehemiah. And so we, I just take a chapter and we just teach the chapter. We have a, the only curriculum we have is called a one-step versus a 12-step program. We have a one-step. And the men go through that on Mondays and Thursdays. So they're in class. And the unique thing about the program, unlike any other program, Christian programs that we have in the area, is that the men in the mornings are studying the Word of God, and then at 5.30 at night, um, all the guests come in, and they're able to actually apply what they've learned um, toward the guests that come in. This is Juan. Juan spent 18 years, I think, in prison. He was a member of the Serenos um, gang, and Juan came in uh, from another program, and he was uh, really... Rough around the edges, was really going to be a gangster, and he was going to run his little gangster gang at the mission. And um, as God gave me discernment, which is really cool, I, I just love it, God gave me discernment. This went on for a little while, and I finally just said, Juan, to the office, and he came in, and I shut the door, and I said, what are you doing? You're acting like you're in prison, you know. And, um, and I leaned into him pretty heavy, and I said, do you remember when you were a little kid, and you were having to grow up so fast on the streets? And you looked up to the gang members and stuff like that? And he said, yeah. And I said, do you remember when you really didn't want to do that? You just wanted to play with trucks and be a little kid? And he said, yeah. And I said, I want you to be that person. And we went to a, a conference in Reading. There's a men's conference that goes on every year over there at a little country church. And we had a motel. Just the motel actually had a swimming pool, which was really cool. And I remember looking out the balcony from one of the rooms and looking out at the swimming pool and he was acting like just a little kid with one of our other guys, splashing, having fun. And it was almost like I would never do that, you know. I, I just wouldn't. You know, I'm the director. I'm supposed to be, you know. But you know what? He's, he's just come so far. He's just got a couple of months, and he's going to graduate our program. So I'm just so proud of him. A little basketball in the parking lot. Sammy, our cook. This is our kitchen. You can see how the kitchen needs to be replaced. Seriously bad. So we're really, really praying a lot. Um, Humboldt Area Foundation, which is a, a local um, fundraiser, or people that give into that anyway. It's uh, grants and various things. Um, we were able to get a grant to purchase that commercial washing machine. We used to have two washing machines household, and you can imagine for over 100 people every day washing laundry, and Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays showers in the afternoon, so we provide showers to the people that come in, how much laundry we actually do. <laughs> that will actually hold 30 pounds of dry laundry. And the dryer on the right was a commercial 
dryer from a laundromat was donated to us by the guy who actually installed that washer. This is our milk refrigeration unit. We get donations from Humboldt Creamery, which is really cool. This is our uh, vegetable refrigeration racks. Humble, or um, not Humboldt, but um, um, Hometown Buffet, when it went out of business, they called me and asked me if we wanted to receive some food when they were going out. And we said, yeah, we took the truck. And come to find out, they uh, asked us if we wanted to receive the equipment, everything, everything that wasn't actually fastened to the wall. So we got grills, deep fat fryer, everything you need for a restaurant. And so we set it aside. We were going to sell it. And my uh, executive director, Dan Ice at the time, which is David's uh, father, um, said, let's hold on to that. So we actually purchased a storage unit into the parking lot at the Mission. We just stored that stuff away. And then the building project stuff started coming into play. And so we're actually building this, the diagram of our architect is working around all the new equipment that we that we got from hometown, so which is really, really a God thing. It's really neat. This is our pantry dry storage. This is what we call Can Alley. Now those shelves are gone. All of the wire racks, rolling racks, are in there now from hometown buffet. So that looked bad. I don't have a picture of the new. And this is the family shelter. I don't have any pictures of anybody in the family shelter due to um, confidentiality. Um, sometimes we get permission from people to put their children's picture in our newsletter and on our website and things like that. But um, the women's shelter is actually more than just a shelter. It's a place for battered women to go. Um, if you're a man and you try to call and get the phone number to call the women's shelter from the office, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get it. So we really protect that. Um, this is the playroom for the children. And this is their overflow. And, and we lay the green mattresses, as you'll see, um, there at night. This is their kitchen. Uh, some of the ladies coming in off the street have no skills. And so our director, Lisa, and, and the management there actually teaches some of the ladies in cooking and cleaning, and they have chores. So they're teaching, teaching them just some basic skills which will carry them through life. This is a um, um, singles room. You see how nice it is. The flooring you see, actually, Irma actually purchased that. This is a family room, another singles room. This is their um, clothing storage. We call it a clothing room in the men's side, but on the women's side, they call it a boutique. <laughs> so that's their boutique. And the shower, there's single showers. In the men's side, there's a, uh, several shower heads. This is the play yard. Um, all of the chips and the pipe around the edge and all the equipment was donated. Kids plan. Every year, we have a 4th of July um, outreach for free hot dogs and, and stuff. So I did get permission to show these pictures. Um, Joe and Sarah, they come, and Mike over there playing the drum from Calvary Chapel, Fortuna. Um, they came, and we have several different people. So if there's somebody here that, like so your music team, man, I'd love to have you come and plug in. We have the sound system. And um, come on the 4th and spend 45 minutes, maybe a half hour or something like that, and do some songs and it's just really, really an opportunity to share um, good Christian music. It's really good. The barbecues. We have almost 400 free hot dogs this last fourth. There's a little Bible study going on downstairs in the family shelter. There's Lisa. She's our women's shelter director. Um, Redwood Christian School. 
Um, they come in every year at Christmas time and bring a, a gifts and sing to um, program and any of the guests that may actually be there to bring them in. This is Sean. Uh, Sean came into our program an absolute mess. Um, he went through the program, graduated the program, and this is what he looked like after, after Christ. So see, this whole, everything I'm showing you shows you so much more depth of the Eureka Rescue Mission. I wish I could take this and show it to the whole community all at once in a great big huge gathering to show the people that we are a hand up. We're seeing lives changed every single day. And it's amazing to see God at work. It just really is. And that's Sean. This is our old day use area on the street. Um, had to tear it down. That's our new day use area. We did this a, oh, a couple, three years ago. Day use area actually is a place for people that are on the street. <clears throat> We're very conscientious of the lo our local businesses and our local neighbors on 2nd Street and our, and our surrounding area there. Um, providing a place for the people not to hang out on the streets and doorways. Um, so we have a place for them to come in off the street, get in there in the wintertime, get underneath that, get in just in general. They, that's a hangout spot. There's no drugs or alcohol allowed. We do have monitor uh, cameras that we show, uh, can look at on the inside, closed circuit. This is the men's side, yes. On the women's side, they're actually in. They bring some of the ladies in through the day when we're fully staffed, currently fully staffed. This is uh, inside of that. This is Waterfront Drive, uh, the small bridge there. And you see on your right all that uh, overgrown. This is some of the things we come up on, um, hypodermic needles. This is some of the trash that was down on Waterfront. And our guys in the program, we've partnered with uh, Eureka Main Street. Charlotte McDonald is the executive director of Eureka Main Street. And our guys, they bought us weed eaters. They bought us all the equipment we need. And so we've not contracted. We don't do anything for money, but we've made an agreement that we would love to partner with the city of Eureka through Eureka Main Street and picking up trash and cleaning up and, and weed whacking and things like that. And this is some of the stuff that was down on waterfront. Here's some of our guys out cleaning. This is right at the foot of, oh gosh, what is it? Right by the Adorney Center, um, just up a little bit from the Adorney Center by the fisheries right across the street. Um, and that's what it looked like afterwards. That's some of the stuff our guys have done. The railroad tracks, which were overgrown, going by the bridge, there you go. So we teach our guys to work. The clocks in Old Town, painted. Uh, Clark Street Plaza, we re-landscaped that. Eureka Police Department, we re-landscaped that. And this is all for nothing. We don't do this for anything. We actually got uh, two big cases of coffee um, in appreciation from, at the time, the Chief Guard Nielsen. Uh, this is on 1st Street, and we redid that. Some recognition from the city, which we don't like to, we don't like to get up in front of people. We're not looking for that, but we, we try to keep our left hand from knowing what our right hand is doing, but people recognize, and we go up before the city and uh, receive um, awards and, and recognition. We got an appreciation from Eureka Main Street. This is our thrift store on Broadway, so if you have gently used items and you want to look for good stuff, we have brand new stuff that comes in. So please, please, please come by the thrift store and shop. Uh, I was going to say this shirt, but I got a couple shirts. My mom probably. There it is. Stand up and display. A little plug. 
please come to the Eureka Rescue Mission Thrift Store. My mom will stand up and show you the shirt. So, and we do have, um, this is the entrance, and there's some of this stuff. We do keep it as clean as we can, and uh, the clothing is sorted very well, um, priced very well. We have good discounts. Mondays is half off on furniture, or 40% off, excuse me. Um, and there's some of the furniture and stuff at the back door. My son actually works there, a great big tall boy. That's my boy, Brian Jr. And we have a free store for people um, coming in, uh, families and we need to get rid of the free clothing because a lot of the clothing that is actually in the free store is stuff that hasn't sold for a while. It's been on the floor, so it's brand new. Some of it's brand new. Some of it's really good stuff that just doesn't sell. We put in the free store. Unfortunately, well, I would say fortunately um, for us, uh, a lot of people come and, and get three or four great big garbage bags, and they take it home, and they have yard sales. <laughs> oh, well, it's getting it out of our store. We need to, we need to move the clothes. We do. So. And we are very con uh, conscientious about people coming and uh, that may have, uh, I don't know, anyway, they get bags of stuff and they take it out in the, behind the Bayshore Mall and you find clothes. Well, we, we are on top of that. So. And our men doing the floors at the thrift store. So we, we work our guys. We were, and that's not our guys. That's, that's me. That's me right there. So um, let's see, how do I want to start this? Um, I just want to show you how just normal, um, how um, I grew up. And this is a picture of me. This is me with my grandpa Ray in Fresno. This is me and my cousin Susie. You can see I, I, I was taken care of, very well taken care of. This is me and grandma and grandpa. And this is me on 803 B Street and my wife, my son Brian Jr., Joshua, and Katie and my wife. And that's in, let's take a look here, in the 90s. Hmm? This is Easter. <laughs> She's good at it. I'm just not. Easter of 1993, 803 B Street. Um, I got saved in 1992, December 31st, New Year's Eve. It was at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. I was actually living in Humboldt Recovery because I had suffered um, from making lots and lots of bad choices and was a serious, serious drug addict. My first church that I actually became a member and attended was, it was at the time Myrtle Avenue Baptist Church. They had a march for Jesus, the first march for Jesus that was in Humboldt County. Um, we, we went and bought shirts for the march for Jesus, and it was misting, raining that day. And I remember going to Myrtle Avenue Baptist Church, and they were having a barbecue in the rain. And I told my wife, I said, this, these are my kind of people. And uh, so we were, I mean, radically saved radically saved. I was transformed immediately that night. Um, I walked in, uh, Roger Sanderson and David Johnson, I don't know if some of you might know them. Um, I went in from an AA meeting and I came, this, this friend of mine, Richard, that was at the meeting, brought. he said, you want to go check out this church thing? My church has got this church thing going on. Well, it was a combination of different churches at um, the Veterans Memorial Building in Eureka. And so when I walked in with him, um, David and Roger were there. Hey, how you doing, Brian? I was like, oh, I worked with Roger for years, and David I grew up with in school, and I was like, oh, cool. And I walked in, and when I walked into that auditorium, there were people playing music. There was a band, and there were people waving flags and had these shawls that they were moving around, and I thought, oh, my goodness, what did I get myself into here? Kind of a weird thing. Um, it was, uh, um, who was it playing the music? It was... Um, 
Anyway. Well, anyway, some people that we met playing music. David and Gene Hayes, they had, uh, I forgot the name of their band, but they were there playing music. And Well, Roger asked me, he said, hey, do you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And he didn't know that, you know, I had grown up and watching Billy Graham and stuff like that at a young age. But I had been searching at Humboldt Recovery, took a, a trip to the beach. And uh, I was out there watching the waves, and I was looking for my higher power. I was praying that I would have this uh, power to keep me clean and sober and restore me to sanity. Well, I knew Jesus, but he only up here, really. And I was trying to tap into the universal power that was causing the waves, right? And um, that was a few days before that. And then that night, I thought, you know what, Roger? You've been asking me this for years at the sawmill when I worked there with you. And I said, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And so he and I and David walked down the hall into a little furnace closet where there was fold-up chairs and a furnace, just enough room for all three of us to get on our hands and knees. And um, we prayed, and I asked God to forgive me and to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. And all I could think of was, i got to get up out of here. That's you know all I wanted to do. And as we walked down back that hallway, he patted me on the back, and he said, Welcome to the family of God. No lightning bolts, no bright lights, no tunnels, and all that stuff, you know. But when I walked back in to that auditorium where the music was playing and the people were dancing, I knew why they were dancing, and they were so happy. And immediately, I started crying like a baby. And I felt like God was taking my heart of sin like a sponge, and just squishing it. I felt such pressure on my chest, and I felt the, the, the tears coming out my face. I, you know how when you cry, you can't, you're, just, you're trying to hold it off, and you're trying to, well, men, trying to be a man, not let anybody see. I couldn't. It was over. It was just floodgates. And God squished all that out of my heart, and he put me in the bucket of the Holy Ghost and let me go and just filled me immediately. And all I wanted to do was get other people to get this Jesus. And I was lit. My wife that night came, and she prayed and got saved, and I tried to get people from the program. Immediate persecution the next day at Humboldt Recovery. Started talking about Jesus in group. And the director at the time, he said, okay, go and sin no more, you know. <laughs> so I immediately suffered verbal persecution for this new faith of mine. Um, I couldn't explain it. My, I couldn't use filthy words anymore. And the jokes, the dirty jokes were just like, ugh, my ears were not trash cans. Stop. And so being in that environment was really good for me. God built my character. Um, he also lit me on fire for him. My wife and I used to get together with Andy Brosey and, and uh, uh, Chief Merle Harpham. No. Um, anyway, the, the other chief, uh, we used to go through the streets of Eureka. Um, what did we call it? God Squad? And uh, we would go and witness to people that were on Friday nights drinking and stuff. Yeah, Ron? Bill Hansel. Bill Hansel, yeah. Yeah, and um, we, you used to go with us. We used to walk the streets of Eureka, Denny's and various other parking lots. And, and when we got there, Andy was really cool because he always had a radio, and, and Bill was a chief. And, and so they would go in. We would go in, and, and we'd see the alcohol, and Andy would get a hold of the chief, and the chief would come, and they'd have like four or five officers come in there and bust their party, right? Well, they would take all their alcohol and stuff and put it on the tops of the cars, and then we would come in, my wife and I, and all of us team would come in and start sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I happened to have a picture of my old self in drug use, and I would hold that up and say, have you ever seen this guy? And they would look, and they'd no. i said, that was me. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. And I, we were able to really share the gospel effectively. So I'm going to move on. 
Started praying. Um, so I was working for B&B Portable Toilets. Was up in McKinleyville watching this new self-help uh, federal government loan or grants for people building their houses, new houses. And I was like, wow, man, that'd be so cool. And I said to God, I said, Lord, someday. I saw a guy mowing a lawn. I said, someday, Lord, I'd like to mow my own lawn. And that's as far as it went. And a few months after that, we applied for um, federal home loan, uh, farmers, farmers home, um, and we, we qualified for a $106,000 loan and uh, through the government subsidized and all that stuff. And so um, it just blew me away. So we found a piece of property up here on Murray Court um, off of Thelma Avenue in Campton Heights. And uh, we bought the property. We hired Baywood Builders. They called him Fast Eddie. I know why, because he put the house up. They built it in Ferndale and brought it there and put it up. But um, yeah, and so we were in the process of that. I moved from that job, B&B, started working in the sawmill. This is some of the construction of our new home. We moved out of Eureka, and there's my son, Brian. There's our kids, mumps or whatever, they, the chicken pox or whatever. Just giving you some stuff. Raising my children, loving Jesus, going to church. I think we were going to, what church? Riodale Assembly of God, maybe. Um, Ronerville Assembly of God. Lit up, fired up, Jesus. You know, I was a drug addict. Went from high to high. And so when I went into church, uh, I wanted to get that high. So I, the tent assemblies of God it was real exciting. And so we were just going from high to high. Um, first Christmas in our new home. Josh is in T-ball here in Fortuna. Brian, too. We had chickens in our backyard, which was really cool. Just a normal everyday, I would say kind of normal everyday. Probably not your average person that lives around here does this stuff, but we just, uh, we just loved it. I grew up in Hydesville when I was a little kid, so we didn't have chickens, but um, I was, always had that mindset. Kids out in the backyard, uh, chicken on a leash, a yo-yo leash. Yeah, Brian with the chicken. Those are Cornish cross chicken, good eating. So, um, and this is me in my garage. Okay, so it's kind of a long story. I'm just going to keep it really short. Uh, back injury, Vicodin, doesn't mix with Brian. Um, really, really bad drugs with me are really bad. Um, things got really bad. Started doing um, methamphetamines and drinking again. And... Um, that's me in my garage right there. Uh, and June 19th, 2002, I was arrested for manufacturing methamphetamines. Yep. Um, I took the rap. I ended up September. Um, I was laying on the top bunk of the fifth tier cell number two in San Quentin Prison, West Block, wondering what happened. I took an N number, what they call it. I didn't take a regular I took a narcotics offender number so I wouldn't have to re register as a drug offender coming out. I was, had a relatively, so I was told that I could probably get out in about eight months. Um, went from San Quentin to, um, well, I'll just real quick, you can see my kids and family were not looking good. The drugs just really, my kids' grades, the teachers started calling, wondering why the kids, what's going on with the kids. Um, my kids were neglected. This is my booking photo. 
there was my resident for just a little while. I did a little over a, a week, I think a week at San Quentin. And then I, these are the gates going into San Quentin, really scary. That's West Block, an old picture of West Block. That's what a cell looks like in San Quentin. That's one of the ones I was in, it's like that. This is the uh, dining hall of San Quentin. This is California Rehabilitation Center down in Norco, California. Great big long name for prison. And uh, it's an old Navy base hospital. They turned it into a prison. Gun towers and the whole works. This is where I ended up first day when I went there. It was a big, huge dormitory. When I got there, I realized I wish I was back in San Quentin. Really, this was the worst of the worst. At the time I was there, my wife was going, uh, she was enrolled in uh, Streams of Living Water, and she graduated that program, <clears throat> her speaking at that, so she's healthy there. So I get out of prison, <clears throat> and um, I go to Humboldt Recovery, I paroled right directly to Humboldt Recovery, and I stayed there for probably six months and started lifting weights. That was part of the regimen of the program that I could do, take advantage of the, of the weight gym. So I went into prison not with one tattoo, and I came out with, covered with tattoos. Um, I did not submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Um, I walked in pride. Jesus, I had in my back pocket. My friend Ezra right there next to me, he and I got into the gym. He went into boxing and... Uh, mixed martial arts, and I stayed with the gym. So, and then I started doing steroids, um, and I started getting bigger. Yeah. And my trainer looked at me, and she said, are you doing steroids? And I said, no, why? And she goes, because your jaw is square. Things were changing in my, um, on my body. Then, um, I'm not going to go into too many details, but I get back in the meth again. I want to paint a really dark picture of myself. That's, that's my intention here is to share with you how bad, how bad um, I am. We are alone without Jesus Christ. Um, I got arrested. I had gotten back in the meth, got my wife back on meth. Our family was torn apart. She was living in the projects up in Eureka, uh, uh, the housing authority. I got arrested for burglary. Went to jail. I was still on parole, kind of. I had a one-day deal. Come to find out, I had already discharged parole, and that very day, right after, I got arrested. But they had a parole hold on me, so I couldn't bail out of jail. But come to find out, they dropped that parole hold. I had to have my tax check or something that I got, and I remember I had a pocket full of money when I went in, and so I ended up bailing out of jail. While out of jail, they gave me felony probation, and... Um, I could work, get a job, take care of my family, but I didn't. So I'm on probation, felony probation for a burglary. And while on felony probation for a burglary, I go out and commit another burglary. At that time, my daughter's friends, um, both of these are, I don't know where. One girl, I think, is in Oakland prostituting. These are the kids my daughter was hanging out. So I'll give you kind of a reflection what my family life was like. This young kid, Joaquin, is the one that shot the homeless person out by the railroad tracks, by the power company. He was actually at our house the day that he um, shot that person that, later that afternoon. And this is my second arrest. So I violate my probation burglary with another burglary. I broke into an Ace Hardware van, got locked in the back. The truck driver came back and heard me in there. 
And uh, I peeled my way through the top with some garden tools that were in there and peeled the top of that trailer with an aluminum can type and went out off of a pallet that was inside and crawled out the top. By the time I got out, he had already come back from calling the police. Um, I faked like I had a gun, jumped off the top of the truck on, onto the trailer onto the truck, jumped down on the sidewalk, and he was scared. He thought I had a gun. But when he realized I didn't have a gun, um, the chase was on. So this is right down by what used to be Cox Cable. Started running, 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 and, uh, and he caught up with me and landed in the bushes. So I'll, there I am again, back in jail. I lied. I told him I was trying to help somebody else out of that truck. I heard somebody in there, and I'm fabricating this story. I fabricated it and lied so much I lied to the inmates that were actually in jail. I wasn't admitting anything to anybody. I was in there for a little while, and I was uh, working in the kitchen. I'd work in the kitchen, come back, and stay up all night, and then I would sleep all day. That's how I did my time in jail. I didn't want to associate with people through the day. So about 3.30 at night, I was just laying there in my bunk, and the Spirit of God moved on me in such a powerful way. And all I could hear from him was, speak the truth. The truth will set you free. Speak the truth. The truth will set you free. And so I just felt, what do I do, God? He said, speak the truth. And so I got up. I was in there for about three months, yeah, lying all the time. Looking at six years. They weren't coming off of six years. My lawyer said, they're not coming off of six. I'm trying to get you three. You are going to prison. You are going. Just know that. So that night, or that morning, 3.30, I walked up to the, the jailer that was inside the dorm. There's somebody there 24 hours. His, na his last name was Craig, I remember. And I walked up to that yellow boundary line. I looked him straight in the face, and I said, I did it. And he looked at me with this bewildered look, and he said, you did what? I said, I did the crime. I did the burglary. I'm here because I belong here. I deserve to be here, and I just needed to confess and tell the truth. I've been lying all along since I've been in here. And I walked back to my bunk. About a week later, um, he came by my bunk and tapped me on the foot as I was laying there. And um, he said, I had some lunch with some higher-ups this weekend. And I'm thinking, okay, so what? And he said, we talked about you. And it piqued my interest. And I sit up and I said, you talked about me? And he goes, yeah, don't blow it this time. And then he walked away, and I put my little sandals on, and I zipped out of there, and I ran up behind him. I said, what do you mean don't blow it this time? He said, just don't blow it this time. And I tried to get it, and he, he just shut me down. A couple weeks after that, I went to court, and my lawyer came up to me, shaking his head with the paperwork. Um, and he said, they're offering you probation. Yeah, from six years to probation. Ezekiel 36, this is my life story right here, and I'll read to you. Am I too late? Am I going too long? Okay. Well, I'll, I'm going to shorten it up because we're about done. Um, Ezekiel 36, starting in verse 20, I personalized this. It talks about Israel, but really, when I read this, it bounced off the page to me. Where, and I'll put my name in there. Where, wherever Brian went to the nations, wherever he went, he profaned my holy name. When they said of him, he's a, he's, a, he's a Christian. What happened? We were fired up for Jesus. What happened? He was a, a people of the Lord, and yet he's gone out of God's land. But I had concern for my holy name with Brian, a profane among the nations wherever he went. Therefore say to Brian, thus says the Lord God, I don't do this for your sake, Brian, but for my holy name's sake. 
which you have profaned all over Fortuna, all over Eureka, all over Humboldt County, wherever you went. And then I'll just go into context here. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed or holy in you before their eyes. I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you back. I'm going to bring you to the New Life Discipleship Program at the Eureka Rescue Mission and sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols and drugs and everything else that you had in your life. I will give you a new heart again and put a new, and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Isn't that amazing? And you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleannesses. I will call for the grain and multiply it and bring no famine upon you. Verse 31, you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that you're not good, and you will loathe yourself in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. I think about the things in my life, the past, and I loathe myself. I really do. It's a, it's a really, really bad part of my life. I show you pictures, it brings back memories to me. I really, really regret that part of my life. But what it really does is it shows the goodness, the grace, and the mercy, and the loving kindness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he did on the cross. People on our street that come into the mission are not throwaways. My son got involved in the same things I did, except his drug of choice was alcohol and ecstasy. He got arrested. This is the night before I went to the Eureka Rescue Mission Program. Didn't have to go. They told me, my probation officer said, you can get a job and support your family. I said, I need a Christian program. Didn't know the rescue mission had a program uh, at the mission. I thought it was a house in town somewhere. And they, when I got there, I literally stayed in the dorm with the people off the street. And God just transformed my heart, and, and I fell in love with the people. This is the night before I went in. This is my graduation. I graduated the New Life Discipleship Program with plans to go to Calvary Chapel Bible College in Costa Mesa. That was my intention. Uh, Dan at the time told me, the executive director said, people aren't praying, Brian, if they're going to help you go. They're praying how much they're going to give you. But my family was still chaotic. I was still living at the mission. I couldn't go to my wife's house. Even at nighttime, um, I could visit off-site. So there was still real tensions with that. Um, and then I went to work at our, the thrift store. I worked at our thrift store for about three months. Um, but before that, Dan, so I had a vision um, when I was in the parking lot of the mission. I had a vision when I was out there praying. It was my favorite place to go of the Spirit of God pouring down in top of the building and then blowing out the windows into the community. It was really weird. And I thought, wow, is this just me? And God showed me that he wanted to pour his spirit in the mission and bless the community around. So I didn't think much of it. I thought, wow, what a great thing. But it wasn't like that in any way, shape, or form. It was directly the opposite. It was a sucker fish for Eureka. It was a cancer in Eureka. And God showed me he wanted to make some changes there. After I come back from Bible college, I'd love to be a part of it. You know, that was my thought. Well, Dan told me the next day, he said, you know, Brian, I think God wants to use you at the mission. And it just, lights went on. And I said, yeah, yeah. So I worked the thrift store and then came back from the thrift store. 
uh, as house manager at the rescue mission at the shelter. I had developed relationships with all of our guests. I was still living there. I lived there for two years, actually. So I'm living there and working there. Um, love qualifies you to speak the truth into somebody's life. You can go down on the street and talk to homeless people and share the gospel with them. That's a great thing. But when you become friends with them and you get to know them first, uh, name basis, you spend time with them, they really see what you say is really the way you live your life. That's so important, and that's what God has done with me in my life today, is I just learn to love the guests. Sometimes I don't even share Jesus' words. I just love them. We just love them. And I teach the men in the program, you just love people. Love the people coming in here. They're just like you. They just made wrong choices in life. Um, and then uh, Brian was delinquent and doing all kinds of, and I said, oh, God, if it would be possible, it would, I know it's not going to happen, but it would be so good for Brian to come into this program. And you know what? Guess what happened? He came to the program, and he graduated the program. This is a, a picnic, Calvary Chapel picnic we went to. My son Josh got baptized. My daughter got baptized. My wife got rebaptized, and there's not a picture of me in it, but um, I got rebaptized. My son Brian, delinquent, bad, went from the program back out in the world. Uh, here, not too too long ago, a few months ago, um, I got a call 3:30 in the morning, and it was my son. He was living in Eureka, and he was gibberish. And then I heard somebody else on the phone, and and it was the ambulance attendant. We don't know what your son has taken, but we found him on the sidewalk. So, man, I couldn't get my clothes on fast enough. Boom, I'm going to Eureka, St. Joe. He had taken uh, ecstasy, and it was mixed with something else, and it was really got him really, his eyes were bouncing back and forth in his head. Um, and it scared him really, really bad. It took him about two weeks of recovery to come out of the fog. I brought him to my house, hoping that maybe he might consider staying. And he'd been there ever since. He's been there ever since. My son is lit for Jesus Christ. He hides in his room every night and reads his Bible. He's learning Russian. He's uh, planning to go to Russia with our church um, for a couple of weeks. I actually got to go to Russia um, for a, a pastor-teacher conference. Um, my, um, my son Josh, um, he works for uh, Johnny's Flooring now, and he's married, has a baby. This is the relationships. Romans chapter 13 talks about... Uh, you know, you'll have praise from the same uh, when you're a lawbreaker. They're after you, but whenever you're a friend, that's Pam. That's my mom. This is my daughter's new friends at the time. My son's, you can see the whole change. I take my daughter down the aisle, Katie. She loves the Lord. They have Bible studies in her house. She goes to Faith Center Eureka. That's her husband, Andrew. This is the family. I'm going to blast through these. This is us. Son had just fallen that night drunk the night before. Brian Jr., this is before he came back to the Lord. Came to the wedding with a big cut on his head. That's my daughter and husband. There's my grandson. <laughs> and he's not that small now. He's around. He's a little motorboat. Uh, goes everywhere. He had some complications at birth. Uh, hemangioma, I think is what it is, of blood vessels or something. So, but he's doing really well for that. They gave him high blood pressure medicine uh, regimen of that through his young years or months. And it take, took some of it down. There he is at the park. My son, come back from the world. There he is, having an ice cream cone. First birthday, yeah, and we just let him have it. This is Josh and his wife, Christina. And that's my granddaughter, Claudia. There she is. I had to show that picture. And there's, I think this is the last slide of my slideshow. Uh, just to show you that um, people that 
come into the mission, um, there's hope. There really is hope. I think of the Valley of Dry Bones, you know, and um, speak to them. And, and I think of that when the people come to the mission at night. Um, I don't see a bunch of no good, filthy bombs. I see dry bones. People that are living a life without hope. They have no hope. Um, all it takes is a real desire in your heart, a recognition that we have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have. Who am I to point my finger at somebody? My life was I loved Jesus and I turned from him. You know, it had been better had I never known the way of righteousness than to turn from him. And I've said, I'd rather get beat up by the devil than to get spanked by God. Because God is so thorough. He's so thorough. Today, who'd have thunk? Uh, I went from a thrift store, a drug addict thrift store, back to the mission house manager, men's shelter director. I worked that for several years, and I was under the heavy hand of Dan Ice. Man, you talk about a guy that just, just, but it built my character. He trained me, and he said one day, I was sitting in his office. We met every week in, in his executive office. And he was sitting in the chair, and he tapped his chair, and he goes, you know, someday, Brian, you're going to be sitting in this chair. And I said, yeah, right. And he goes, no, really. And I just thought, oh, no. He goes, I've been preparing you all this time for this. Don't you know that God has a calling? And I was like, I didn't realize what you'd been doing. And so he trained me. He was having me go receive checks and meeting people in the community. And I thought, well, this is just what I'm doing. Well, he was training me up for that, you know. So today, um, I'm not Dan Ice. I'm just plain old me. I don't share all of this uh, failure and stuff in our newsletters because people will probably go, oh, yeah, I got an old drug addict for an executive director. But I come to the fellowships and I share. It's the grace of God. It's the love of God. It's the restoration by, by Jesus Christ. His blood wasn't shed, shed on Calvary for just vanity. I mean, there, it, his blood is precious, and it cleanses us and washes us from our sin. It doesn't cover it. It cleanses us. His mercies are brand new every morning, and that is so comforting to me. I have got a huge load on my plate. I really, really do. A lot of stuff going on. I'm actually the men's shelter director and the executive director right now. I had to um, remove the person. from the, So I'm doing both jobs. But the cool thing is, is I did that job for like five years or something like that. So I know it really well. And I'm, I was sitting in the executive director position for quite some time to learn that. And I see God's hand all over that. My life is a life of darkness to paint a big black picture on a piece of canvas for God to blow his wonderful colors across the front of that. And so any time that you give to the rescue mission, just think about it. When you, when you give personally, we do have a mailing list. I have it in my car right now. Um, I usually talk to pastors before that. But, but will you give from this church to the rescue mission? I got last night, I looked on your website, and I looked at um, um, missionaries' ministries, and right at the very top was... I don't know if they're in order that way, but right the first one I saw was the Eureka Rescue Mission. Man, it just does my heart so good to to see that. Thank you so much. Um, You're investing in individual lives, women and men, that God is working in their lives and transforming their lives. The the purpose of the Rescue Mission is to proclaim the gospel of salvation to those in need of spiritual spiritual rebirth. And we accomplish that by feeding them, clothing them, giving them showers, and we ride at the fishbowl every night. We're fishing for men, and uh, it's amazing to see. Anyway, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to come and share. I feel so at home here, and uh, I just love you so much. Thank you for your support, and uh, keep praying for us. We've got to come up with a large amount of money for, um, for this building project we have. So we have a $1.6 million grant, and we've got to come up with the 0.6. So we're working toward that goal. So 
Anyway, thank you. Yeah, please. Build a couple questions. Anyone? You can ask me personal questions. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Mission questions, anything you want. Um, we can always use assistance in the evening times on the family shelter side for the ladies. Got to be 18 or older. Or if you're under 18 and you have an adult with you, that's fine. You can come. There's always things to do on the family shelter side. The men's shelter side, um, we have uh, our holiday season coming up, um, Thanksgiving meals. Um, people can come and you can call and, and you can, um, I've already had somebody here acquiring, inquiring about that. You can call our main office and uh, schedule a time to come for the meals and you can serve and, and um, things like that. There's also... Um, Right, yeah, we, we co-mingle everybody coming in, so it's male and female. It's separated right now through the year. Women are on the one side for meals and everything. So there's a lot of, a lot of opportunities. Actually, um, on the men's side, I am not actively looking for a men's shelter director. I'm waiting for one. So um, if, there, if you know anybody that needs work, that loves the Lord, that's been seasoned in Christ, um, that has a heart for homeless people, I need a, a men's shelter director. I also have a house manager. It's a part-time position open on the men's shelter side. Same, same criteria. I want somebody that loves the Lord, that has a heart for homeless people. Anybody else? Thank you, Brian. You're welcome. Thank you for sharing today. You know, I know it's, it's hard for some people to look back into your childhood and the blessings that you were given and uh, maybe be able to see that without Christ, any one of these faces that was up there could have had you in there too, right? I mean, it, our, our sin is, uh, is common among all of us. We, we all deal with sin. We all are dealing with the flesh and Any of us could have, have, have lived any bit of that. Some of us may have. You know, I, I know I've, I've made tremendous errors in my life, and uh, probably many of you have too. But uh, praise be to God that he, uh, he pulls us out of that. So, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, continue having a, a long relationship with uh, the rescue mission and seeing what's going on there and seeing God using it in our community. You know, we, we, uh, we support a lot of missions outside of the country, but uh, it was important for us to, to have a ministry that was more local. And uh, when it was looked at, uh, we've been supporting it for some years, but when it was looked at, I think it was looked at because of the, the work that they were doing. It, was, it just seemed to be the right mission to support. So we look forward to uh, continuing our relationship with them. We're running a little late, so let's. Um, uh, I'm going to actually be reading from Luke 22. We'll uh, have a time of communion, and then I think we'll just. Uh, huh? 
Uh, let's just do one song as we pass, and then we'll close after that. Okay. Yeah, just one after. So, uh, Luke. Uh, oh, uh, before we do that, I have uh, two announcements that I, I need to make that I, I did not have uh, earlier. Um, grief share is canceled tonight. Bob has had to go home uh, sick. Um, so Grief Share will not be meeting tonight. We'll continue uh, next Sunday. Uh, so those who are attending that, uh, just make a note. And the other thing is October 20th, uh, we are going to have uh, a presentation on the, uh, the uh, mission uh, trip that uh, Stephanie and others went on uh, over the summer from Guatemala. And uh, that will be a, a presentation during the service. But we'd also like to do a potluck afterwards. And uh, they will also do another presentation then, uh, maybe even be able to answer more questions and that type of thing. Uh, so that's a couple weeks from now. Just want to get it on our calendars and start planning in that direction. Uh, so right after church on October 20th, we'll have a potluck and a, and a presentation on the mission. And then during the service, we'll also have a, a short presentation. But uh, Start make, putting, putting that on your calendar and making plans for it. So it's uh, verse 14 of chapter Luke says, "And when the hour came, he reclined at he reclined at t a table and the apostles with him, and he said to them, "I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffered." Of course, it's the night before. Uh, he, uh, Jesus died. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God, which is what we look forward to in the future. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And I was just thinking, uh, especially as Brian was sharing his testimony and then reading the section in Ezekiel, um, you know, we're, we're just constantly given... Um, uh, reasons and examples and uh, reflections to be able to see why we are able to partake of this together, of what Christ did for us and what changes he has made in the lives of those he saved. And uh, we'll uh, pass the elements out. Please hold them. We'll take them together in a moment. And, uh, and then we'll uh, uh, be done. So if the ushers can come forward and uh, pass the elements and then the worship team come and lead us through one song.
the Christ by man rejected. Yes, my soul, tis he, tis he. Tis the long-expected prophet, David's son, yet David's Lord. By his son God now has spoken, tis the true and faithful word. Tell me ye who hear him groaning, was there ever grief like his? Friends who fear his cause disowning, foes insulting his distress. Many hands were raised to wound him, none would interpose to say. But the deepest stroke that pierced him was the stroke that justice gave. Ye who think of sin but lightly, nor suppose the evil great, you may view its nature rightly, here its guilt may estimate. Mark the sacrifice appointed, see who bears the awful load. Tis the word the Lord's Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time we've been able to spend with Brian and seeing the work being done in our, our uh, community. We thank you that lives are being changed. We thank you that, that you are in that business and that you've, for whatever reason, looked upon us uh, with that grace, that love. 
We thank you for this time of uh, the service where we're able to fellowship together in communion and reflect upon what you did for us, what you are doing for us, and to look forward to the time when we're all together uh, in eternity. And after giving thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. the same way he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant of my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes hallelujah father we pray that you will be with us as we go out the doors today we look forward with anticipation with this new week that you've given us. We thank you for it. We thank you for the very breath that you give us. And we ask that you will use us throughout the week in whatever way is pleasing to you. Mm-hmm. And we pray that we might have a, uh, an opportunity to show the love of Jesus to someone this week. Be with Bob and others as they are not feeling well, and we pray for their healing. In Jesus' name, amen.